I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving because many reasons, but one reason is because it's that one holiday that it doesn't seem like our consumerism or materialism has captured totally. I mean, we don't have to buy anything except maybe some food and maybe some plane tickets or bus fare or something to get where you're going. But it is a wonderful time to just gather around a table with family and friends and say thank you. Thank you for the precious gifts of life. But another reason I love Thanksgiving is doggone it, every year right after Thanksgiving, it's the beginning of Advent, my favorite season, because that is the season where we just slow down and we think about, once again, Christ's birth. We're supposed to slow down. (laughs) That's what this sermon's about, okay? (laughs) It's when we focus on the important things of life and we not only think about the Christ event, when Christ was born as a baby in a manger, but also about his life and death and resurrection, what that means, and what that means in the future or is coming again. Or this is the way Jim Harnish put it in his blog earlier this week. Advent lifts our vision to catch a glimpse of that day when God's kingdom will come and God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, Advent invites us to slow down and ponder the way that we are living our lives. But frankly, with all the chaos and the noise of the holidays, the shopping and the cooking, the buying of presents and the attending an incredible number of events, it's really hard to slow down and stop and listen for God's voice. Yet it is something we desperately need to do. And that is why this year, our theme for the whole of Advent is making room. Making room for Christ to come afresh into your life and mine. Making room through silence and peace, through service and compassion, as we welcome the Christ child. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy and gracious God, we ask this day that you would help us to silence all that noise that's in our head all those other voices, and let us hear your voice this day. Indeed, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I think it happens to all of us if we stop long enough and listen, if we stop long enough and pay attention, it seems that we realize that change needs to happen. I mean, it happens in subtle ways. It happens when life doesn't turn out the way we imagine life was going to. It happens when someone says something or someone does something and we realize that the usual way of doing things will no longer work. It can happen suddenly or slowly over time. But either way, we realize that we can't go on the same way that we have been. We must do things differently. Indeed, we must be different. Well, let me tell you, that happened for me recently. Some of you know that um, just the other day, 
about 32 years ago, I spent six weeks in South Africa. I was a young college graduate bound for seminary, and it was a life-changing summer. And I have not had the chance to return to South Africa in all those 32 years until earlier this month. That's right. My United Methodist clergy husband and I got to travel with eight young, diverse clergy from the Florida Annual Conference on an incredible 12-day adventure into this country with a complicated history. I mean, we could talk about the relationship between the Afrikaners and the English and their relationship with the native-born peoples, which led to a policy of apartheid. Or we could talk about the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions that followed the ending of apartheid in 1994. And and the stories of real hope and true and intimate and authentic forgiveness that happened for many, many individuals. Or we could talk about the many folks who were trying to live faithfully in this complicated time this, after this peaceful transition of power, thanks to folks like Nelson Mandela and Byers Noday and Desmond Tutu and so many others. On our visit, we had the chance to visit with seminary students and professors at Seth Mokatimi Seminary, and let me say, there is a huge greeting coming across the sea, especially for Sherry and Doug Rowland, but for all of us at Hyde Park, their family here in Tampa. Huge word of joy and, and love sent across the sea. We spent hours with the Reverends Peter Story and Alan Story and Michelle Schrader, and their life experiences were challenging and their stories compelling. We visited townships where thousands of people have to live in, in difficult and inhospitable environments where the electricity is jerry-rigged across the dirt floor and where water is brought in by the truckload. And we saw impressive ministries of mercy being done in the name of Christ and were mightily moved by those Methodist members who were serving as a means of grace to people living with HIV and AIDS. Throughout our time there, I was convicted. And I began to realize that something was going on deep within inside of myself, deep within me. And then one night, Clark and I got to leave the group and go and have a meal with Roger and Lee Skultz. You might remember Roger and Lee. (laughs) Roger was here, if if you're visiting, Roger was here for 10 months as our interim senior pastor last year. And actually, all of last year, Clark and Roger had been preparing for this trip of young clergy to visit in South Africa, and I was just privileged to tag along. So we went to their home one night. And in that conversation, I asked Roger if he would reflect on his year with us in Tampa. Oh, he and Lee both just lit up with their smiles bright and their eyes beaming as they talked about so many meaningful friendships with you, members of this church, and so many ways that they were a part of the ministry we do here. And there was such joy and such gratitude for having spent the year with us. But then Roger said something that just penetrated my heart. He said, you know, shortly after we got there, there was Halloween. This incredible day where people decorate their homes and they host haunted house parties and children get candy and it's a very amusing time. 
And immediately following that is Thanksgiving, this great day of celebration where you just stop and say thank you for the many gifts of life and there's food and family and so much fun. And that is immediately followed by another holiday called Black Friday. (laughs) Or in the words of Roger, a day that is really crazy because people fight over a bargain on towels in the aisle of the department store after midnight. Unbelievable, he said. And then it's Christmas. Well, actually, it's about another 28 days until Christmas, but you would think Christmas is the next day if you're listening to the ads on television or reading the newspaper. And then a week after this amazing Christmas celebration, there is New Year's Eve, where people celebrate the beginning of a new year with such hope and and parties galore. And then in Tampa, right after that, is this amazing thing called Gasparilla. Talk about a party just for the sake of having a party. And then he said, as I've reflected on all those parties and celebrations, I had to stop and ask myself, why is there such a need to be entertained? What are folks running from? Why is the culture so desperately trying to anesthetize itself against the pain of the world? Why are we trying to escape it all through entertainment? Friends, in that moment and in the many moments of reflections afterwards, I have felt like I was standing with the people on the edge of the bank of the River Jordan and John the Baptist was saying to me, listen up, look at your life, prepare the way of the Lord. Somehow by leaving my comfortable surroundings here in Tampa, I was able to hear God's word to me in a new and fresh way. And I felt convicted that I needed to listen more intently to the ways that God was speaking to me just now through the pain of the world. I needed to prepare the way of the Lord with, for his fresh inbreaking of the spirit into my life at this time. And I recognized that I needed to silence the other voices and listen more intently for God's voice. Perhaps... You have some similar wake-up moments in your life if you stop long enough and pay attention. They grab your attention when you least expect it. Those moments when you recognize that you are doing everything to avoid being quiet in the presence of God. When you avoid looking inward at your own self. You know, we get in the car and we turn on the radio. We walk in the house and we turn on the television. Or we listen to our headphones a story. Or we watch something mindless on TV to avoid the silence. And that silence of listening to whatever it is that God is speaking to you right now in that quiet place. Friends, I would invite you to pay attention to those moments. As we look at our text that was read, we realize that there is something about John's message of change and preparation and repentance that has taken root in the people. There's a moment of realization when we recognize with the coming of Christ that our lives and our world cannot continue on in the same old ways. The message was enough to draw crowds out into the wilderness to the River Jordan to listen to John 
And it's the same message John is speaking to us today. John the Baptist, this locust-eating, weirdly-dressed, loud, prophetic cousin of Jesus, burst into our peaceful sanctuaries and into our lives. And he doesn't fool around. He gets right to the point. He interrupts our schedules and our lives, and he calls us to get ready for Jesus by examining ourselves and our world, recognizing that all is not well and something has to change. The preparations that John is calling for have little to do with decorating a tree or hanging lights on the palm tree in our driveway or buying the perfect gift on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. He doesn't care about our excuses or our distractions. He calls us to something deeper, something more intimate, more personal, more real. Like we read in the scripture, John was calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Francis is called repentance To repent literally means to change your ways, to turn around, to reorient yourself, to breathe to life something that is new. We need that, don't we? I know I do. I really think our country does, as does our world. We need to pause and look at the way we are treating one another, the way we're treating family members, friends, Neighbors, strangers, who are neighbors that we just haven't met, who are people who might not be just like us, but they are very much made in the image of God just like you are. How are we treating them? And what is our relationship with God like? Repentance is an invitation for us to change and to grow and to mature. That there's a story from the Middle Ages about a young woman who was thrown out of heaven. When I read that, I thought, that's a horrible story. But it was a long time ago. But in the story, she was thrown out of heaven and would come back if she could gather the thing that God desired the most. Wow, that was a hard, tall order to do. So she searched the world for what God would value the most. And she, she gathered the coins from a destitute widow who had given those coins for the poor. And she brought back dust from the shoes of missionaries who had traveled to distant lands sharing about the love of God. And she even brought back the drops of blood from a dying martyr and presented that. But every gift was returned to her. So one day, she saw a small boy playing in a fountain and a man on horseback came up to the fountain to get a drink and when he saw the boy playing in the water the man remembered he remembered his own childhood innocence and the way that he delighted in the simple pleasures of life and the many joys in his community and then he looked into the water and he saw his own reflection there reflection of a hardened face and he remembered The choices that he had made that took him to that moment. Choices that were far from innocent. He was overcome when he realized just how far and how fast he had been running away from God because of all the sin in his life. And at that moment, he wept tears of repentance. 
the woman gathered up some of those tears and she was received with joy that day by the angels. Like the man who, in the story, sometimes we need to stop and look at our own reflection. Is that a hardened face looking back at us? It is a face that keeps secrets. What is the face that looks back as you look in the river or in the mirror? We need to listen to what God might be saying to us in this moment, friends. Because preparing for the Prince of Peace, it takes some deep soul searching and repentance. Soul searching and repentance, though, are two themes that we don't like to hear much about this time of year. But I dare say that nothing is more pleasing to God than the gift of our sincere repentance, a seeing of our own sins and wrongdoings, and a sadness over them, a willingness to try, with God's help, to amend our ways a turning back, a turning towards God, reorienting our lives in that direction. Repentance, it opens our minds, it softens our hearts, and it turns us in a Godward direction. And John shows up every year to remind us of the way to God. And Jesus is that way. And John reminds us every year that we're not quite there yet. But we need to be about the business of preparing the way. Well, I must confess that many years, I just completely ignore John the Baptist, if I'm honest. I mean, he comes onto our scene every Advent. He's there every year talking to us about preparing the way, making room. But some years, I don't know that I listen to him very well. But this year, I'm paying attention This year, I'm trying really hard to listen because I believe that real transformation, real change doesn't happen in the world out there. It starts here within ourselves, inside, in the silence. Are you able to make room for the Christ child this year? Are you able to find some quiet and stillness and listen for what God might be saying to you this day? I think it's hard, but it's very much worth the effort. There's a noted speaker and author named Rob Bell who tells the story of a man named Bernie Krause. Now, Bernie is a well-known soundscape artist. And you say, a soundscape artist? Yes. He spends his life trying to capture natural sounds that are not interrupted by any human-made sounds. And he said in 1968, it took him about 15 hours of recorded time to get one hour of natural sound that was not interrupted by any human noise, a car, a plane, or anything. But he said today, to get one hour of natural recording, it takes about 2,000 hours of recorded time. So I have to agree with Bernie Krause that we live in a noisy world, that we are bombarded by sound and noise all the time. And finding this silent place is hard work. Personally, I like to go on long walks and that's one place to find it. But this week I went on two walks trying to listen intently for the silence and for natural sounds only that God might be speaking to me through. Within three doors up, From my house, I heard the slow roar of I-75 as cars were going to work. 
The next day, as soon as I opened the door, the neighbor turned on his lawnmower. So I realized that maybe finding perfect silence in my neighborhood is not the best place to try it. But I think it's something that we have to make time for, prepare for, and focus on. For it is in silence that our hearts are developed and they grow. I do think God meets us sometimes in the noise and chaos of life. But most often, I think God speaks to us in that quiet place. As the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. So this Advent, I would invite you to spend thoughtful time in prayer and reflection and quiet. I would ask you to take seriously this Advent devotional that Justin mentioned and reflect on those stories during this season Focus on quality time with loved ones and be selective about your gift purchasing and your party attending. You do not have to do it all. And then I would invite you to attend this Thursday night's Managing Stress workshop that'll be over here in Knox Hall Thursday at 6.30 and there's a light dinner included so let me know if you want to come for dinner Because we're going to talk about realistic ways that you can cope with and handle the pressures and stresses and worries of the season. Silence is a sacred space in which God speaks to us. And silence is the place that we also listen for God and dwell together with God in God's love. This past week, Vicki introduced me to some friends of hers, Carlin and Martha. They spend time together each day in silent meditation. Listen to this word from Carlin's blog. He said, It took Martha and me too long to realize the importance of setting aside time to be quiet and still. In fact, we didn't get the message until we were forced to when Martha was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. At some point, he continued, Each of us needs a clear glimpse into what's going on in our heart and in our mind. And I see now that I needed time and space, emotional and reflective time and space to let God's spirit work in me, healing much that the rush of life had trampled upon. And to do so, do the same with my relationship with Martha. A meaningful way that I've learned to do this is through meditation And the form of meditation I've found has elicited a humility within me that helps me embrace God's silent, intimate presence. What attachments in your life, what forms of entertainment and distractions can you let go of this Advent season to make just a little more room for Christ in your life, in your heart, in your world? Preparing for the Prince of Peace takes deep soul-searching and repentance. But Advent invites us to find our way back to God. So silence the other voices. All other voices but God's alone. Let us pray together. Oh, holy God. During Advent, we often sing songs in a minor key. We light candles in the darkening shadows of December and that color purple is all around us, reminding us that it is time to slow down, to be quiet, and to wait. Advent does indeed lift up a vision 
of your kingdom that will come. Your will will be done on earth as in heaven. You have the ultimate victory over all that denies and destroys life. So this day, remind us of the, in the silence, you're there. And in the silence, you speak. Let us be still in your presence this season. Let us hear your word of truth for us and help us to be faithful. Amen.